The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Reading through the book of Acts, you'll find two pronouns used quite often, they and we. When you see the we, it means that Luke was an accompaniment of Paul. And here in chapter 21, we'll find the we section so many times. So Luke is with him. So this is not just something of investigation like he did some in revealing of the Holy Spirit. This is still the Holy Spirit guiding him. But this is firsthand information. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarland, and it's our treat to be with you on Exploring the Word. And we're going through the book of Acts. It's an action-packed book. And Alex has said it two or three times, and he does know some things about this, that uh, playwrights and screenwriters for television and movies wish they could make stories like this. This is a true story about what God has done and the Spirit of God working in people's lives for the gospel to be shared with the world. Well, Alex, again, chapter 21, uh, warnings about going to Jerusalem. Paul has already said, I'm going no matter if it costs me my life. And uh, he's not dissuaded one bit, even after others are concerned. He's going to go to Jerusalem, isn't he? Well, he is. And, uh, Bert, it's great to be with you today. Great to be with everybody listening. When uh, chapter 20 closed out there was a an emotional farewell and he kind of gave his last charge and challenge to the uh, elders of the church at Ephesus and 21 begins you know after we had torn ourselves away from them we put out to sea and sailed straight to Kos KOS the next day we went to Rhodes and from there to Patara, we found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, went on board and set sail. You know what, Bert? Um, I've run through many an airport. Uh, Luke and Paul and Barnabas and crew were changing ships. But it seems like uh, evangelism and missions and ministry has has always involved a lot of travel <laughs> logistics, doesn't it? It does. You better make that ship. You better make it. Hey, uh, Jonah found a way to not make it. <laughs> he thought yeah. the right one, got on the wrong one, but God corrected him with a big fish. But here, listen, they went by roads. I, I found that interesting because it roads oh, yeah. is one of the seven wonders of the world. and The you, Colossus yeah. of Rhodes. So you wonder if they saw that as they went by. You never know. So what what this does, Alex, as you read these places and these locations, uh, they're real places. Many of them are still in existence today. Some are in existence, but their names have changed. And so this is a firsthand account. And again, he gives all this information. And uh, so Luke is saying, this is where we were, this is where we've done, and this is what God did. And so yeah. they come, and they find that ship, and they're headed that way when we had sighted Cyprus. Now, I found that interesting. I'll throw it back to you. Uh, on their first missionary journey, that was the first place they went from the yeah. Holy Land. And now, as he's coming back on his third missionary journey, this is one of the last places he sees before he lands into the Holy Land again. Amen. Amen. 
Well, uh, look at verse 4. It says, We sought out the disciples and stayed with them seven days. Uh, this is at Tyre, T-Y-R-E. Um, there were disciples there that sought out the disciples. The gospel is spreading, even in spite of opposition from Jews and Gentiles from people and governments, the gospel is spreading, and so there would be disciples there. And uh, they, after a week, they left them. And interestingly, through the Spirit, urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. Do you remember back in, um, I guess it was 19, I think it was 19, where he says, knowing that chains will befall me there. Um, he was arrested by the Romans at Jerusalem, and they they prophesied that really in verse four, didn't they? Some of the fellow yeah, believers. That's right. And again, this is, uh, you know, Paul had already made up his mind, but I think this, w- with God permitting this, these prophecies to go forth, uh, they were getting Paul ready for what was going to happen uh, at strategic times in Paul's ministry. God would appear, the Holy Spirit would minister to him and say, Paul, as I was with you there, I'll be with you, you know. And here, it's kind of right the opposite of that. Now, not God saying he would not be with him, but just saying you're going to have difficulty. It, it lets me know God prepares us for the good things and the difficult things, Alex, if we'll be ready. Yes. If we'll take what others say, what the Scriptures say, what the Holy Spirit leads us, we can be ready for what comes our way, can't we? Well, we we really can. We we really can. And uh, you know, later on here in in chapter twenty one of Acts, it's it's interesting how. Let me say this: God does uh, speak to us and prepare us, but God often speaks to us through fellow believers. Yep. And in verse four, we see that. It's interesting in verse 10, there's going to be something pretty graphic. Uh, Agabus, a prophet, comes down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt and tied his hands and feet with it. And, uh, you know, haven't you ever wondered, like, what this scenario would have would have looked like? It would have been very interesting. Paul might have thought, you know, what are you doing? And Agabus says, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt, and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Uh, that's a prophecy, uh, but Paul was not dissuaded from going to Jerusalem about this, was he? He was not, because notice what had happened. I think this helps him. Uh, back it says, uh, again, in the Scriptures, in verse 5 and 6, it said, we were on our way, but we were accompanied even with the wives and children till we were out of the city. And again, they knelt and prayed, and they came, and again, they come to Caesarea where they meet Agabus. But before they do that, they meet Philip, the evangelist, uh, mm-hmm. who, who was originally a deacon. And God says, man, you're faithful as a deacon. I'm going to make you an evangelist. And uh, he, he notice he had four daughters who prophesied. And mm-hmm. uh, so it was a family thing. So here... Again, the number of places that he refers to, Luke, in his writing, and the number of the people he talks about preparing Paul for what's coming his way. And, and Alex, you said it well. Uh, he, he describes it in very graphic terms. And the one who has this belt, this is he's going to be bound and delivered into the hands of the Gentiles. 
And so that was a prophecy. It was made, and it was 100% true, wasn't it? Well, it was. And, and let me read 12 through 14. And folks, listen to this about, I mean, you've got to admire Paul's tenacity. Um, Agabus prophesies about his arrest and, you know, being handed over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go. Now, we're going to see the word we in verse 12 and 14. You mentioned it earlier. Paul said, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also I'm ready to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 14, when he would not be dissuaded, in other words, we couldn't change Paul's mind, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. Uh, Is there a certain amount of resignation there that, you know, when you've got a man that has a, a singular vision uh, you may as well just com- commit him to the Lord. And and I've known great leaders. Um, I, I've known some leaders that... Uh, and, and let me just say this, Bert. There's a balance. It's one thing to be dedicated, committed. It's one thing to be intractable. And sometimes when you have godly people around you telling you to rethink something, it is wise to say, you know what? Hey, may- maybe, I, maybe I'm going to rethink this thing. Um, but Paul was not open to uh, any voices of dissent here, was he? He was not. It's better to obey God rather than man, no matter who that man may be, Alex. You, you know what That's I mean? True. Many yeah. times uh, your best friends will try to dissuade you for your care, for your comfort, rather than for the will of God. And uh, I think you're to weigh the balance. I think you're to weigh it, and you're to examine it. Uh, and I think Paul would, but I, I don't think it took Paul long to hear them and then say, no, nope, that's not what God has told me. I'm headed that way. And uh, mm-hmm. I love that. The will of God be done. Uh, I think they had that in their mind first, but I think, again, they're saying, okay, this must be the will of God, and we're with you. And uh, notice the we sections does not stop, even when – He's going to the possibility of death. Luke Mm -hmm. does not bail out. He stays with him. Listen to it, 15. And after those days, we packed and went up to Jerusalem. Isn't that beautiful, Luke? And you can't help but remember over in the the last book Paul writes in 2 Timothy, you remember that phrase, only Luke is with me? Uh, Mm -hmm. This is the guy, man. Luke, uh, he's, I, I don't think we count him enough of a hero we look at oh, him as a my historian goodness, yes. but he he is he's he's in there with paul isn't he he really is you know when i was going to liberty university and for right at six years worked and volunteered in a number of departments at thomas road baptist church even for volunteers when there was no pay there was kind of a thing you would read and sign almost an employment agreement but it was kind of a, a thing, you know, I'm volunteering for the prison ministry, or I'm, I'm going to become a volunteer in the senior adult ministry. But one of the lines on this that I thought was very wise, it would say, you know, I'm committed to the gospel, I'm, here's my testimony. But there was a line, and you had to sign it. It said, I, I am committed to Dr. Falwell's vision for this ministry. Now, that wasn't being arrogant or anything like that. But God had given them something to do, and they they didn't really need entrepreneurs. They needed 
servants to be committed. And I was in half a dozen departments, and happily so. But Luke is committed. And I want to say this, and maybe you and I should do a whole show on this sometime. There's, I believe there are grand rewards in heaven for the people that are the support staff. Amen. The, the, the second banana. You know what I mean? You better believe it. I agree with you, man. Here, we talk about it, and I'm going to do it again. We could not do this program and this network if it wasn't for the producers like Devin Patrick that's right here in this studio, the engineers that make sure. You ought to hear something. Every once in a while, there'll be like a a warning to go off here in in our building, and uh, it's, it's because something has happened and something has got in the way of the transmission of the airwaves. And you better clear the hall. There's about three or four guys running through the hallways, getting to see what was wrong so people won't miss any of the things of any of their programming. Uh, Alex, uh, it's it's exciting to work with people who are do not have to have the limelight. Amen. Amen. And uh, like I say, I, I hope we will do a show about this at some point because – you know, thank the Lord for the visionaries and thank the Lord for the people that may be, you know, way out front. But the, the, the man out front wouldn't succeed, except there are a whole lot of people that are holding his arms up and doing things maybe behind the scenes. And you know what? While the world may never see uh, the support staff, the Lord surely does. And, folks, you share in those rewards. I... Alex, thank you for taking time to make us remember those. And part of those folks are listeners who pray for us and even contribute to make sure we can stay on the air. We'll be back with more of the Book of Acts right after the break. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for President Joe Biden. As president, he is responsible for the prosperity, well-being, and security of our country while representing freedom and democracy on the world stage. Philippians 2.3 reminds us of the qualities of a good leader. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, We ask for guidance for President Joe Biden as he leads our country. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Our National Leadership Prayer Journal guides you in daily prayer for our country's leaders and provides historical insights on our nation and scripture. Available now at pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says our eternal future is a free gift. But there's a price tag on the present that not everybody is willing to pay. He'll use an illustration that just might hit home as we spend two minutes with Tony. Many of you, like me, are constantly battling weight. You know, constantly on this diet, that diet. Going to the gym and merely looking at the equipment won't change you. (laughs) Studying the books on weight loss won't change you. Memorizing them and quoting them will not change you. Taking notes at a nutritional seminar will not change you. If you want to be physically changed, uh, 
it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you some cake, some ice cream, some pies, some cobblers. It's going to cost you some candy and some chocolate. And I'm getting upset right now just talking about it. It's going to cost you something beyond the information if you want to be changed in your way. Jesus has made it clear that discipleship and our experience with him on earth cost. To experience God in the nasty here and now and not have to wait for the sweet by and by is going to require something from you and me. Heaven has been covered by the blood. Earth requires a price. For an in-depth, practical look at what it really means to put the Lord first, ask for details on Tony's teaching series, Restoring God to His Rightful Place, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. We are in Acts chapter 21, and we're going to resume that. You know, Bert, talking about being content to serve the Lord as the the second, the VP, the the one behind the scenes. Uh, A.W. Tozer wrote a book many years ago called The Pursuit of God, and I'm sure many, many listeners have heard of of A.W. Tozer. And he talked about the blessing of possessing nothing. Now, what he said was, he said, look, as heirs of the kingdom, you possess all things. So in this world, you should really have a mindset of of possessing no things. Now, obviously, we possess some things. You know, the Lord knows we need a roof over our head. But Tozer said, hold it loosely. Even positions, titles, accolades, trophies, if it's of this world, there's no permanence to it. So he said... Uh, if we possess things in this world, the reality is, said Tozer, they end up possessing us. And since we're, we're citizens of the kingdom, let Christ possess us, because in his kingdom, that's the only things that we really do possess. And as we're stewards of God's ownership, he's ownership of our life, therefore he owns it all. That's what Joseph was. He, he was in the Old Testament at Potiphar's house. He was the steward. He had charge of all of that. And God's given us, let's be faithful stewards. Alex, uh, I, what amazes me is how many people accompany Paul part of the way and then some of the way to Jerusalem. I could not help but compare that with Jesus when he was arrested and everybody fell mm-hmm. away. But here, notice it says, I think you see the power of the Holy Spirit in people's lives when they say, we're willing to go up with you. Verse, uh, verse 16 says, also some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us. And, and so and they, they went to there and they lodged there. And so, but they went with us. Have you noticed that? And you could not help but compare that with Jesus when he went to the cross. And again, Paul is not dying for our sins. That's already been done by Jesus Christ. 
but Paul is willing to die, and they come. Look at verse 17, and when we had come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly, and they saw James. That's the brother of Jesus, not the apostle. He's already dead. Uh, He greeted them, and uh, he said, what's God done among the Gentiles through your ministry? And he talks about how many of the Jews had been saved there in, in, in Jerusalem. Look at that word. You see, brother, how many myriads of Jews there were? At that time, someone made the estimate. Now, again, that's just an estimate. Possibility yeah. of 50,000 Jews uh, that was in Jerusalem at that time that had come to follow Christ. Uh, Amen. So while Amen. Paul was working in the Gentiles, guess what? The Holy Spirit was still working in Jerusalem. That means God well, works at home and abroad at the same time, doesn't it? Amen. Amen. Well, and Paul uh, is a marked man here, and he is known because in Acts 21, when he goes to the temple, uh, seven days were nearly over, and some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. And the, the accusation, you know, he's in Jerusalem now, and we remember, by the way, back in Acts 10 and Acts 14, remember Peter had a vision of the, of the scroll, and, uh, and Acts 14 says the door of faith had been opened to the Gentiles. Okay, so when Paul goes into the temple at Jerusalem, um, Jewish uh, anti-missionaries, if you will, uh, it says in verse 27, they stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, fellow Israelites, help us. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our law and this place. And besides, he is excuse me, he has brought Greeks into the temple and defiled this holy place. They had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, in the city with Paul, and assumed Paul had brought him into the temple. Okay, look at this threefold accusation. It says Paul is doing things against our people, against our law, and against this place. Now, the fourth charge is that he's brought Gentiles into the temple and defile this place. And we know Gentiles can be saved, and it's through the grace of Jesus. But, Bert, this accusation to this day, and I want, I want to say this, um, I love the Jewish people, and I love uh, Israel, and I you know, believe in Israel's right to exist and Israel's right to self-government. So what I'm about to say in no way could be construed as being anti-Semitic because true Christians love and revere the Jewish people, and, and we want Jewish people to know their Messiah and be saved. But this accusation goes on to this day. Uh, in fact, Bert, I was on a website, a website out of Jerusalem that right now today is trying to prevent Jewish people from believing in Jesus. And the, the, the falsehoods on this particular website that try to refute the gospel, they were just, if, if you didn't know, you, you might have been swayed, but I mean, it wildly, wildly incorrect things they were saying to prevent Jews from believing in Jesus. But they accused Paul, they said, what he's doing is against our people, against our law, and against this place. And do you know that threefold charge against Christianity as it relates to Israel, those things are still repeated to this day. You know, Alex, it's really 
the enemies of the gospel, and they come in all stripes. You know, uh, the yeah. Jewish, the Gentile, uh, the educated, the uneducated, uh, they come in all stripes, and they want anything but Jesus. And here's an example of it. And again, it has to do with control. Uh, you look at the whole bit of it, and you see the Pharisees with Jesus. You see what they're doing to the Apostle Paul here. Again, they want to hold on. They've already lost a bunch, at least according to some estimates, 50,000 Jews that had come over to follow the Messiah, Jesus, and they don't want any more. And here's the ringleader that's gone out and Gentiles. And again, uh, this is a lie. Just like they had to fabricate a lie against Jesus, they're fabricating these lies against Paul. And Alex, yes, fabrication of lies today. And it will continue. Why? Because Satan is the father of lies. And mm -hmm. so he is trying to get as many. He cannot. He does not stand for truth. So it's always lie. And what happens it says, and all the city was disturbed, and the people ran together, seized Paul, and dragged him out of the temple, and immediately the doors were shut. Now, let's talk about where the Gentiles could be. There was the court of Gentiles where Gentiles yeah, could go yes. in, but then the two most inner parts, they could not. Uh, they could not go into the holy place, and certainly they could not go into the holy of holies. But they were saying, no, he went in because four men had gone in with Paul to complete the vow, and Paul went with them, and they made up because of Trophimus being with Paul. He must have been one of them. You know, that is the whole idea. He must have been. It's, this whole accusation is not truthful, brother. Well, well, that's true. Now, what happens next is, is really fascinating. Okay, a riot breaks out. They grab Paul, verse 30, and they drag him out, and the gates were shut. They're trying to kill him. They're beating him. So there's such an uproar and a commotion that Roman troops come. And in verse 32, uh, when the officers and soldiers come up, the rioters stopped beating Paul. They knew what they were doing was unlawful, really. And, you know, imagine it's like the school teacher comes in and the, uh, the disruptor quickly stops. <laughs> but the commander comes up and arrests Paul and orders him to be bound with two chains. Interesting. Agabus prophesied this, didn't he? And they said, who are you? And some in the crowd shouted one thing, some shouted another thing. And since the commander could not get at the truth because of the uproar, he ordered Paul to be taken into the barracks. And he... Uh, Paul reached the steps, and the mob was so great, the crowd is shouting, get rid of him. Now, as the soldiers were about to take Paul in, he asked the commander, may I say something to you? Do you speak Greek? Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 really terrorists in the wilderness some time ago? Now, this is a fascinating thing. Bert, did, did you study much on this? Yeah, I looked at that, and this Egyptian, a lot of those that were with him got were caught and even died, but supposedly the Egyptian himself got away. And here, another assumption. I, I'll let you complete that, but mm -hmm. I, I just noticed the assumptions that's going on here. They made the assumption, I think wanting to, that Paul had taken Trophimus into the holy place okay that right. was a which, wrong assumption 
didn't really happen. It did not happen. And here we find those that rescued Paul made another assumption, and again, it's wrong. And uh, he's not an Egyptian, and you know he he's he's a Jew, a Roman citizen that speaks Greek, and so he's completely. But I, I want to say this: be careful with your assumptions. Uh, even when you Amen. think it's true, and somebody has said that, uh, remember scriptures at least two witnesses, and 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 even then, you better be careful. Be a be careful what someone says or what you read what they say. Be careful what you hear somebody say because it may just be a clip of part of what they said. And if you saw the whole context, it would color it a completely different way. That's the way you interpret the Bible, Alex. We tell folks all the time, you better look at the context. Look if it's old or new. Look which kind of literature it is, which book it is, who he was writing it to, what we was writing about, and then read the chapters before, the chapters after. You better get it into context or assumptions will be made. And look what happens when assumptions are made. You have destruction, don't you? Well, exactly, exactly. Um, did... And and we want to we don't want to make the text say less than what it says. We don't want to make the text say more than what it says. Now, verse thirty eight references an Egyptian who started a revolt and led four thousand terrorists out into the wilderness some time ago. Uh, Josephus mentions this. Uh, there was a writing that's come to be known as Jewish Wars that was uh, written around seventy five A D. and Josephus mentions, and I'm, I'm probably not going to pronounce this correctly, a, a group called the Sicarii, S-I-C-A-R-I-I. Sicarii or Sicarii, I'm not sure. It basically means assassins. Now, sometimes it's translated bandits, but guess what it's also translated, um, and you probably know, zealots. <laughs> and, okay, th- this group of zealots that were no the history of them talks about they were being violent they they all carried a dagger to stab people and they repeatedly and they were made up of jews in fact there was one uh that was um executed that had either been an assistant to the high priest or maybe a high priest but they were jews that were trying to overthrow rome and different ones would join this band and so Paul, very interesting, Paul is being accused of being part of this sect of seditionists and insurrectionists, which he wasn't, of course. Alex, and, isn't uh, it interesting? One of the 12 was Simon the Zealot. Mm-hmm. Even one of the 12. Now, remember this. Matthew was what? The tax collector? Man, he was, in, he was vested in Rome. One was Simon the Zealot who was interested in overthrowing Rome. But what did Jesus do? Jesus brought these two factions as opposite as you could have it, and he brought them together to be one to be one in the 12. Mm. That is the reconciliation of Christ, not only with darkness and light, not only with our sin and then forgiveness, but also individuals, and that is the power of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, terrorism is never of God. 
But Paul answered, verse 39, says, I'm a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no ordinary city. Uh, Boy, that's an understatement. Please let me speak to the people. And the commander gives permission. Paul stood on the steps. And and you know what? Um, I don't know what steps these were. I wonder if it was Solomon's porch. But it's a beautiful segue into chapter 22. And in Aramaic, now Paul is multilingual. He knows Hebrew. He knows Greek. He knows Aramaic. I would be certain as a Roman citizen and a person of his brilliance, Paul knew Latin. Uh, But he can preach in Aramaic. And as we segue, now think about this. He's been beaten. I mean, Paul, for, for all we know, he might be bloodied, beaten, might have a broken bone. And he escapes this rioting crowd, and he's not just going to sit down and nurse his wounds. He's got a crowd, and the Roman soldiers have the authority to make them settle down a bit. So what does he do? (laughs) He preaches the gospel to them. He does, and the multilingual part is so important. Right here in this passage, we see that now. I want to recount this, and we'll stop here, and then on uh, Monday we'll start in chapter 22 because tomorrow is fire away Friday. But notice this, Alex. Paul uses what he has learned and received in sharing the gospel. He uses his Roman citizenship to be able to travel on these missionary journeys, and he uses it from time to time so he can get a hearing. He uses it here, and he uses his language, his multiplicity of language. Isn't it amazing what God can use in our lives that we had no idea he would use, but he brings it up and uses them, doesn't he? He really does. And friends, God wants to use you. I hope you know the Lord. I hope you are helping make him known. Well, we're going to take calls when we come right back. It's 888-589-8840. Call us. American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? Listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Bunch. And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. The founding fathers of this country, 90% of them were very serious Christians. There were many pastors, theologians. Sandy Rios. At that time, it wasn't mutually exclusive to be a politician and a theologian or to fight for your country. Now is our time to stand for those biblical principles America's founding fathers treasured. Sandy Rios in the morning, weekdays at 7 central on American Family Radio. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues, they keep on deceiving. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. After spending more than a year denying the possibility that the coronavirus was manufactured instead of naturally occurring, Dr. Anthony Fauci has changed his tune. He's now no longer confident the virus developed naturally and has even joined the ranks of those calling for an investigation into what actually happened in China. This shortly after being exposed for funding gain-of-function research in China, which manipulates animal viruses to make them deadly for humans. And now we have emails that reveal the boy from Brooklyn has been running game on the American people the whole time. 
Fauci is a fraud. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. In John chapter 19, verse 30, we read, Jesus said, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. A man was surrounded by family and friends in his last moments before dying. A friend asked, tell me, brother, do you fear crossing over the river of death? The dying man said, oh, no, brother, I do not fear, because my father owns the property on both sides of the river. Jesus crossed the river of death for you. He finished the work of salvation on the cross so that you can walk each day held in the Father's hands. You can entrust your life and your death to Him. For those who know Jesus Christ as Savior, when you come to the river of death, God will carry you safely over. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revow your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. 1 Peter 3, 14 through 16. American Family Radio. It's a new Explore the Word, Bertie and Alex. We're taking your phone calls. We do have some lines open. That number, 888-589-8840. We get to as many calls as we can, so it'd be a good time for you to call in. But Alex, right before I hand it over to you to go to the first caller, Paul's finished his third missionary journey. There's no doubt he's planning on a fourth one. But things change, but God still does it. And so we want you to hang in there. Now read ahead a little bit, see what how God operates this, and uh, it's not over with yet. Although he's finished his uh, third missionary journey, and although he's been arrested, there's a lot more to come, and you don't want to miss oh, the yeah. rest of the book of Acts. So we'll we'll start that Monday, but tomorrow will be Fire Away Friday, but until Fire Away Friday, we're going to take some questions today, aren't we? We absolutely are. You know, I'll tell you this. I was um, working on my study for The Cove, where I'm going to be the 25th through the 27th, and uh, I think there's a waiting list to uh, get in, but I'll be back there in the summer of 22 uh, as well. But um, I was amazed at how the latter chapters, I mean, so much has happened in the book of Acts already, Bert, and my goodness, you know, uh, we've got uh, 22 through 28, just six or seven more chapters, and that is as rich and action-packed. It, these latter <laughs> chapters could be a book in and of themselves. But uh, yeah, it's Luke, good. Luke doesn't let it down, does he? He carries it. You always in movies or different th- stories, you'll have. Well, this is kind of boring. There's no such thing in Luke's writings. <laughs> De- details in every line. Amen. Well, we're going to go to Arkansas, and by the way, the number is eight 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 five. Eight nine eighty eight forty. But right now, first caller of the day, Kathy in Arkansas. 
Hello. Thank you for taking my call. I enjoy listening to both you guys very much. Uh, I'm very nervous, so I'll probably forget what I'm going to say. Oh, <laughs> you're, you're doing great. <laughs> you've been talking a lot about, um, you know, the gay, lesbian community. And, you know, some of those people probably are saved. They're just not following their God's will. Are there degrees of heaven, like you talked about yesterday, the degrees of hell? Some people fear of falling, fear of, uh, you know, heat. And are there are there degrees of heaven as well? I mean, will just some of us just be hoeing in the garden while others are kings? And Okay. Hey, Kathy, great question, Alex. I, I want to quote somebody that I've quoted before. Uh, it's Joseph Son. He is one of the greatest men. I'd say he's in the top five of men I've ever met. He's from Romania. Uh, he was over there preaching when it was communism, and they had arrest him and beat him, and he'd go back and preach. And but anyway, he preached a whole message on the past on the church rise pastoring on martyrdom, and he said this. He said, "Now heaven is heaven, no matter what it is, but the capacity for you." And I, I use the word enjoy. I, I think appreciate heaven will be declared by what, how you serve him down here. And he went through that with martyrdom because it talks about the martyrs getting a great reward, you know, and then the five crowns a Christian may, may, can earn. So that was his. He said it's the, the, what we do down here does affect heaven because if you've been faithful over a few things, what will he do? He'll make you master over many. Degrees of heaven, that might be a too big of a term, but there is something to that, the capacity in heaven to appreciate it. Go ahead, Alex. Well, in Matthew 6, verse 20, uh, Jesus said, very famously, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So there can be treasures, plural, in heaven. But Matthew 16, 27 Jesus, and this is talking about believers, the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will recompense every man according to his deeds. And so, um, yeah, I do believe there are degrees of, of joy in heaven. Um, and, and let me say this, salvation is always the same for everybody. You trust Jesus. Being saved, getting into heaven, is all equal by the work of Jesus. But the rewards in heaven, and uh, they're, they're different. I mean, there are some Christians that have selflessly poured out everything they've got and, to their knowledge, not held anything back. And I believe they're going to be rewarded. God is just and fair. And more than that, he's gracious. But, Bert, let, let me just say this. Sometimes people will they'll say, well, I don't want any rewards I just want to get there, and I don't really want to, you know, get any crowns in heaven. No, you do want crowns in heaven, because we're going to lay them at Jesus' feet. And so I think there's going to be people that are saved, but they're going to be empty-handed, you know? Yep. So um, Gary Habermas says this, I'm going to go to the next call. Habermas says, everything you do post-salvation is really, you are determining your own capacity to experience and enjoy heaven. Yep. So live uh, an obedient life so that you'll have rewards in heaven. Amen. Thank you, Kathy. Great call. Who's Great next, call. Alex? Um, Joel, Joel in Tennessee. 
Joel, I'll, how am I to pronounce your name? I want to get it right. Yes, sir. It's important. <laughs> it's, it's Joel. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, welcome. Thank you so much, guys. I haven't, uh, I've, I listen, I actually, I only listen to this show when I'm in, like, traveling. I'm traveling right now with my job delivering something. So, uh, are you on speakerphone, Joel? Are you on speakerphone? No, what it is, I'm in a van. Oh, okay, and, uh, well, go ahead. Maybe. Uh, go yes, quickly. Sir. It it oh. is distorted a little, okay. so get uh, that would help. Yes, sir. So I I I mentioned something to the uh, screener, but I also wanted to ask about why we don't use the true name of the Heavenly Father and His Son as uh, stated to Moses and then the apostle, I think it was Peter, who healed the impotent man. And they asked him, by what power or what name did you do this? And he gives them a name, you know, because as we understand, there was no J during that time. You know, the letter J is only four or 500 years old. I'm just wondering why we don't to this day use the name Okay, let's let's do that question, Joel. And if you have another one, call back, Alex. Sure. Would we need to use the language? In a word, names comes in language. You know what I mean. And uh, so it's not—is it changing the name or is it translating a name? Uh, well, it, it's not change, but it's a translation, and it, it's true. You know, we often say Jehovah God. But there is not a J in in Hebrew. It's more like a Y, like uh, Yahweh. And so when we talk about Jesus, uh, oftentimes you'll hear people say uh, kind of the Hebraic pronunciation, Yeshua, Yeshua Mashiach, uh, Jehovah saves, Jesus Messiah. So whether you say Jesus or whether you say the Heavenly Father or whether you say Yahweh, uh, we're talking about the biblical God. And, you know, one of the beautiful things in Exodus 3.14, I am, um, which Jesus quotes in Mark 14, for himself. Um, pious Jews of the first century wouldn't even verbalize the name of God because they felt like they were unworthy to do that. But see, in Jesus, I mean, you read, listen to this very carefully, Romans 10.4. Jesus is the end of the law. To all who believe. See, if you're a believer in Jesus, Yeshua, all the law has been satisfied. The righteousness of Christ is yours, not by works, but by faith. And so we can pronounce the name of God. And uh, whether we say Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Jesus, Yahweh, my Savior, we're talking about the one, the only, our Creator, our Redeemer, aren't we, Bert? We are. He is the one and only. Uh, he has titles and he has names, and mm -hmm. uh, he has words that describe him, and and so it is the God of the Bible, and we need to know him. Alex, Let's, where do we uh, go Texas. to next? Okay, uh, Rod in Texas. Rod, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello, gentlemen. How are y'all this afternoon? Very good, thank you. I have a question. My father-in-law passed away five years ago today, and my wife is uh, 
bless you, brother. Yeah, she's still experiencing the loss. Uh, while you're getting Rod, we want you to stay on, get together. Uh, yesterday was the day that my mother-in-law died three three years ago, and uh, it sometimes those dates make it real tough for individuals. I know that. Rod, yeah. are you? Can you go ahead with your? Yes. Yes. Go ahead. Yes. She's uh, having a difficult. And uh, I was just curious if, if there's some. Rod, we. Uh, Marty has put it up here, what you're asking for. Mm -hmm. Alex needs yeah. a biblical reference to comfort his wife. Alex, yeah. uh, you know, if... May, if may I, yeah, go ahead. May I give a, a couple of verses? And, brother, uh, I commend you for turning to the Lord and his word for comfort. Because really, like Peter said, where else would we go? But John 16, 22, Jesus said this, So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Uh, we have sorrow sometimes in this life, intensely so. But listen, as a Christian, the one who conquered the grave is the one who lives in you, if you're a believer. And there's coming a day when there'll be no more tears, no more sorrow. And you know what, uh, Bert, isn't it a great thing? That the Bible says in Revelation 21, 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So cleave to Christ. Rod, you be that strong, godly man and show everybody that your joy is in Jesus. And I believe, Billy Graham said this, the great evangelist, courage is contagious. And you know, Bert, um, there, there's a, a certain amount of um, grief that's a lot like fear. But see, Christ has cast out fear because we've got perfect love. And I think when we derive our strength from the Lord, that is contagious, isn't it? It is. People see that. You remember the man that had the palsy and he couldn't get to Jesus and he was in a house. And what they did, he had four friends that took that mat and they took a piece off of the roof and let him down where Jesus mm -hmm. is. Sometimes Mark that's the way, yeah, that's a lot of times. Sometimes we, uh, for different reasons, are hurting so bad, grieving, in pain. Uh, we need others. And Rod, uh, be that person. And uh, I'm, we're going to pray for a second, Alex. Let me just do that for her. Father, mm -hmm. I pray for Rod's wife that you would bring her to the point of, of knowing your comfort. The Bible says we can comfort those with the same comfort we've been comforted with. And I pray that you would bring into Rod's life and his wife's life someone that would help Rod in, in bringing this about. I pray you've used Alex and me today to help Rod to have that courage to do that. We're trusting this and believing this in Jesus' name. Amen. Melissa in Arkansas. Melissa, are you there? Melissa. Hello, hello, Melissa in Arkansas. Okay, we're going to go to Steve in Texas. Steve, are you there? Hi, Alex. Hi, Bert. I love you guys so much. You are true shepherds. Humility, love. 
thank you for the Bible that you sent me um, a couple months ago, and I was able to gift that to my son. Mm, you know, God bless you. This, uh, I love you guys. Your wonder, humility, it's all over you, Alex and Bert. And man, the Spirit of Christ. Does we are so blessed. Job. I love you. Hey, love you know, you. to make it easier for all of us when our loved ones pass, you know, my dad, he's getting up there, and, and he he's still resisting this born-again thing. It, I've been working on him for 41 years, and, and um, you know, I, is there a question that, a pinpointed question that we can ask the folks that think they're saved, but by their fruits, we have evidence to the contrary? Okay. Uh, wow, Steve. I've been working on that for quite some time. What question can be asked or what scripture can be used? Alex, nothing comes to my mind except Jesus Christ and that relationship with him. Uh, it being, It's not a religion. It's not a form of religion. It is a relationship that we have. And I, you, I, I think I'd go back and ask, what took place at the point in time when you started your walk with Christ. Alex, uh, if it's not right in the beginning, it's not going to be right in the middle or the end, is it? That's true. You know, when I've um, been witnessing to some people that were lost, and some people who were lost and knew it, some people who were lost and didn't know it, uh, obviously prayer and Scripture, but James Kennedy famously said, if you were to stand before God and God said, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? And that's very often a good conversation starter to get them to the solid ground of the gospel and the biblical verses about faith in Jesus alone. Let's repeat that question. If you were to die and you were to meet God and he asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would be your answer? Great question. Alex, been good to be with you. Fire away, fire, uh, fire away Friday tomorrow. That's right. Hey, folks, we love you. We thank you for listening. Cleave to Jesus. Tell somebody about the gospel. Uh, tell somebody about exploring the word. Most of all, tell the world, everybody about Jesus.